Section 14 of Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. My YouTube channel is also under the name of Morgan Scorpion. Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume 6, by Giorgio Vasari. Translated by Gaston de C. de Vere. Section 14. Life of Giulio Romano, Painter. Among his many, or rather innumerable, disciples, the greater number of whom became able masters, Raffaello da Avvino had not one who imitated him more closely in manner, invention, design, and colouring than did Giulio Romano, nor one who was better grounded, more bold, resolute, prolific, and versatile, or more fanciful and varied than Giulio, not to mention for the present that he was very pleasant in his conversation, gay, amiable, gracious, and supremely excellent in character these qualities were the reason that he was so beloved by raffaello that if he had been his son he could not have loved him more wherefore it came to pass that raffaello always made use of him in his most important works and in particular in executing the papal loggia for leo x for after raffaello had made the designs for the architecture the decorations and the scenes he caused giulio to paint many of the pictures there among which are the creation of adam and eve that of the animals the building of noah's ark his sacrifice and many other works which are known by the manner such as the one in which the daughter of pharaoh with her ladies finds moses in the little ark who had been cast adrift on the river by the hebrews a work that is marvellous on account of a very well executed landscape Giulio also assisted Raffaello in painting many things in that apartment of the Borgia Tower which contains the burning of the Borgo, more particularly the base, which is painted in the colour of bronze, with the Countess Matilda, King Pepin, Charlemagne, Godfrey de Bouillon, King of Jerusalem, and other benefactors of the church, all excellent figures, and prints of a part of this scene taken from a drawing by the hand of Giulio, were published not long since the same giulio also executed the greater part of the scenes in fresco that are in the loggia of agostino chigi and he worked in oils on a very beautiful picture of saint elizabeth which was painted by raffaello and sent to king francis of france together with another picture of saint margaret painted almost entirely by giulio after the design of raffaello who sent to the same king the portrait of the vice-queen of naples wherein raffaello did nothing but the likeness of the head from life and the rest was finished by giulio these works which were very dear to that king are still in the king's chapel at fontainebleau in france working in this manner in the service of his master raffaello and learning the most difficult secrets of art which were taught to him by raffaello himself with an extraordinary lovingness before a long time had passed giulio knew very well how to draw in perspective take the measurements of buildings and execute ground plans and raffaello 
designing and sketching at times inventions after his own fancy would afterwards have them drawn on a larger scale with the proper measurements by giulio in order to make use of them in his works of architecture and giulio beginning to delight in that art gave his attention to it in such a manner that he afterwards practised it and became a most excellent master at his death raffaello left as his heirs giulio and giovan francesco called il fattore on the condition that they should finish the works begun by him and they carried the greater part of these to completion with honour now cardinal giulio de medici who afterwards became pope clement the seventh took a site under monte mario at rome in which besides a beautiful view there were running waters with some woods on the banks and a lovely plain which running along the tiber as far as the ponte mole formed on either side a wide expanse of meadowland that extended almost to the porta di san pietro and on the highest point of the bank where there was a level space he proposed to build a palace with all the best and most beautiful conveniences and adornments that could be desired in the form of apartments loggia gardens fountains groves and other things of all this he gave the charge to giulio who undertaking it willingly and setting his hand to the work brought that palace which was then called the vigna de medici and is now known as the villa madama to that condition which will be described below accommodating himself then to the nature of the site and the wishes of the cardinal he made the facade in the form of a semicircle after the manner of a theatre with a design of niches and windows of the ionic order which was so excellent that many believe that raffaello made the first sketch for it and that the work was afterwards pursued and carried to completion by giulio the same giulio painted many pictures in the chambers and elsewhere in particular in a very beautiful loggia beyond the first entrance vestibule which is adorned all around with niches large and small wherein are great numbers of ancient statues and among these was a jupiter a rare work which was afterwards sent by the farnese family to king francis of france with many other beautiful statues in addition to those niches the said lodger is all wrought in stucco and has the walls and ceilings all painted with grotesques by the hand of giovanni da udine at the head of this lodger giulio painted in fresco an immense polyphemus with a vast number of children and little satyrs playing about him for which he gained much praise even as he did for all the designs and works that he executed for that place which he adorned with fish-ponds pavements rustic fountains groves and other such-like things all most beautiful and carried out with fine order and judgment it is true that the death of leo supervening for a time this work was carried no further for when a new pontiff had been elected in adrian and cardinal de medici had returned to florence it was abandoned together with all the public works begun by adrian's predecessor during this time giulio and giovan francesco brought to completion many things that had been left unfinished by raffaello and they were preparing to carry into execution some of the cartoons that he had made for the pictures of the great hall of the palace in which he had begun to paint four stories from the life of the emperor constantine and had when he died covered one wall with the proper mixture for painting in oils 
when they saw that Adrian, being a man who took no delight in pictures, sculptures, or in any other good thing, had no wish that the hall should be finished. Driven to despair, therefore, Giulio and Giovan Francesco, and with them Perino del Vaga, Giovanni da Udine, Sebastiano Viniziano, and all the other excellent craftsmen, were almost like to die of hunger during the lifetime of Adrian. But by the will of God, while the court, accustomed to the magnificence of Leo, was all in dismay, and all the best craftsmen, perceiving that no art was prized any longer, were beginning to consider where they might take refuge, Adrian died and Cardinal Giulio de' Medici was elected supreme pontiff under the name of Clement the Seventh, and with him all the arts of design, together with the other arts, were restored to life in one day. Giulio and Giovan Francesco, full of joy, set themselves straightway by order of the Pope to finish the above-mentioned Hall of Constantine, and threw to the ground the preparation that had been laid on one wall for painting in oils. But they left untouched two figures that they had painted previously in oils, which serve as adornments to certain popes, and these were a justice and another similar figure. The distribution of this hall, which is low, had been designed with much judgment by Raffaello, who had placed at the corners, over all the doors, large niches with ornaments in the form of little boys holding various devices of Leo, such as lilies, diamonds, plumes, and other emblems of the house of Medici. In the niches were seated some popes in pontificals, each with a canopy in his niche, and round these popes were some little boys in the form of little angels, holding books and other appropriate things in their hands. And each pope had on either side of him a virtue, chosen according to his merits. Thus the Apostle Peter had religion on one side, and charity, or rather piety, on the other. And so all the others had similar virtues. And the said popes were Damascus I, Alexander I, Leo III, Gregory, Sylvester, and some others. All these figures were so well placed in position and executed by Giulio, who painted all the best parts of this work in fresco, that it is clear that he endured much labour and took great pains with them, as may also be seen from a drawing of St. Sylvester, which was designed very well by his own hand, and is perhaps a much more graceful work than the painted figure. It may be affirmed, indeed, that Giulio always expressed his conceptions better in drawings than in finished work or in paintings. For in the former may be seen more vivacity, boldness, and feeling, and this may have happened because he made a drawing in an hour, in all the heat and glow of working, whereas on paintings he spent months and even years, so that, growing weary of them, and losing that keen and ardent love that one has at the beginning of a work, it is no marvel that he did not give them that absolute perfection that is to be seen in his drawings. But to return to the stories, Giulio painted on one of the walls Constantine making an address to his soldiers, while in the air, in a splendour of light, appears the sign of the cross, with some little boys, and letters that run thus. 
in hoc signo vinces and there is a dwarf at the feet of constantine placing a helmet on his head who is executed with great art next on the largest wall there is the battle of horsemen which took place at the ponte mole in which constantine routed maxentius this work is worthy of the highest praise on account of the dead and wounded that may be seen in it and the various extravagant attitude of the foot soldiers and horsemen who are fighting in groups all painted with great spirit not to mention that there are many portraits for life and if this scene were not too much darkened and loaded with blacks which giulio always delighted to use in colouring it would be altogether perfect but this takes away much of its grace and beauty in the same scene he painted the whole landscape of monte mario and the river tiber in which maxentius who is on horseback proud and terrible is drowning in short giulio acquitted himself in such a manner in this work that it has been a great light to all who have painted battle-pieces of that kind since his day he himself learned so much from the ancient columns of trajan and antoninus that are in rome that he made much use of this knowledge for the costumes of soldiers armour ensigns bastions palisades battering-rams and all the other instruments of war that are painted throughout the whole of that hall and beneath these scenes right round he painted many things in the colour of bronze which are all beautiful and worthy of praise on another wall he painted saint sylvester the pope baptizing constantine representing there the very bath made by constantine himself which is at san giovanni laterano at the present day and he made a portrait from life of pope clement in the saint sylvester who is baptizing with some assistance in their vestments and a crowd of people among the many attendants of the pope of whom he painted portraits there also from life was the cavalierino who was very influential with his holiness at that time and messer niccolo vespucci a knight of rhodes and below this on the base he painted a scene with figures in imitation of bronze of constantine causing the church of san pietro to be built at rome in allusion to pope clement there he made portraits of the architect bramante and of giuliano lemmi holding the design of the ground plan of the said church and this scene is very beautiful on the fourth wall above the chimney-piece of that hall he depicted in perspective the church of san pietro at rome with the pope's throne exactly as it appears when his holiness chants the pontifical mass the body of cardinals and all the other prelates of the court the chapel of singers and musicians and the pope seated represented as saint sylvester with constantine kneeling at his feet and presenting to him a figure of rome made of gold in the manner of those that are on the ancient medals by which giulio intended to signify the dowry which that constantine gave to the roman church in this scene giulio painted many women kneeling there to see that ceremony who are very beautiful a beggar asking for alms a little boy amusing himself by riding on a dog and the lancers of the papal guard who are making the people give way and stand back as is the custom and among many portraits that are in this work may be seen portraits from life of giulio himself the painter of count baldassare castiglione the author of the cotidiano 
and very much his friend, of Pontano and Marullo, and of many other men of letters and courtiers. Right round the hall and between the windows, Giulio painted many devices and poetical compositions, which were pleasing and fanciful, and everything was much to the satisfaction of the Pope, who rewarded him liberally for his labours. While this hall was being painted, Giulio and Giovan Francesco, although they could not meet the demands of their friends even in part, executed an altarpiece with the Assumption of Our Lady, a very beautiful work, which was sent to Perugia and placed in the convent of the nuns of Montelucci. Then, having withdrawn to work by himself, Giulio painted a picture of Our Lady, with a cat that was so natural that it appeared to be truly alive whence that picture was called the picture of the cat. In another picture, of great size, he painted a Christ being scourged at the column, which was placed on the altar of the church of San Fresedia at Rome. And not long after this, Monsignor Giovan Matteo Ghiberti, who was then datory to Pope Clement, and afterwards became Bishop of Verona, commissioned Giulio, who was his very familiar friend, to make the design for some rooms that were built of brick near the gate of the papal palace, looking out upon the piazza of San Pietro, and serving for the accommodation of the trumpeters who blow their trumpets when the cardinals go to the consistory, with the most commodious flight of steps which can be ascended on horseback as well as on foot. For the same Monsignor Giovan Matteo, he painted an altarpiece of the stoning of St. Stephen, which Monsieur Giovan Matteo sent to a benefice of his own, called San Stefano, in Genoa. In this altarpiece, which is most beautiful in invention, grace, and composition, the young soul may be seen seated on the garments of St. Stephen while the Jews are stoning him. And, in a word, Giulio never painted a more beautiful work than this, so fierce are the attitudes of the persecutors, and so well expressed the patience of Stephen, who appears to be truly seeing Jesus Christ on the right hand of the Father in the heaven, which is painted divinely well. This work, together with the benefice, Monsignor Giovan Matteo gave to the monks of Monte Oliveto, who have turned the place into a monastery. The same Giulio executed at the commission of the German Jacob Fugger for a chapel that is Santa Maria de Anima at Rome, a most lovely altarpiece in oils, in which are the Madonna, St. Anne, St. Joseph, St. James, St. John as a little boy kneeling, and St. Mark the Evangelist with a lion at his feet, which is lying down with a book its hair curving in accordance with its position, which was a beautiful consideration, and difficult to execute, not to mention that the same lion has short wings on his shoulders, with feathers so soft and plumy, that it seems almost incredible that the hand of a craftsman could have been able to imitate nature so closely. Besides this, he painted there a building that curves in a circular form after the manner of a theatre, with some statues so beautiful and so well placed that there is nothing better to be seen. Among other figures there is a woman who is spinning and gazing at a hen with some chickens, than which nothing could be more natural, and above Our Lady are some little boys, very graceful and well painted, who are upholding a canopy 
and if this picture also had not been so heavily loaded with black by reason of which it has become very dark it would certainly have been much better but this blackness has brought it about that the greater part of the work that is in it is lost or destroyed and because black even when fortified with varnish is the ruin of all that is good always having in it a certain desiccative quality whether it be made from charcoal burnt ivory smoke black or burnt paper among the many disciples that giulio had while he was executing these works such as bartolomeo da castiglione tommaso papacello of cortona and benedetto pagna of pescia those of whom he made the most particular use were giovanni da leone and raffaello del colle of borgo a san sepolcro both of whom assisted with him in the execution of many things in the hall of constantine and in the other works of which we have spoken wherefore i do not think it right to refrain from mentioning that these two who were very dexterous in painting and followed the manner of giulio closely in carrying into execution the works that he designed for them painted in colours after his design near the old mint in the banshee the escutcheon of pope clement the seventh each of them doing one half with two terminal figures one on either side of that escutcheon and the same raffaello not long after painted in fresco from a cartoon drawn by giulio in a lunette within the door of the palace of cardinal della valle a madonna who is covering the child who is sleeping with a piece of drapery with saint andrew the apostle on one side and saint nicholas on the other which was held with justice to be an excellent picture giulio meanwhile being very intimate with messer baldassare torini da pescia built for him on mount janiculum where there are some villas that have a most beautiful view after making the design and model a palace so graceful and so well appointed from its having all the conveniences that could be desired in such a place that it defies description moreover the apartments were adorned not only with stucco but also with paintings for he himself painted there some stories of numa pompilius who was buried on that spot and in the bathroom of this palace with the help of his young men giulio painted some stories of venus love apollo and hyacinthus which are all to be seen in engraving after having separated himself completely from giovan francesco he executed various architectural works in rome such as the design of the house of the alberini in the banchi although some believed that the plan of this work came from raffaello and likewise a palace that may be seen at the present day on the piazza della dogana in rome which being beautiful in design has been reproduced in engraving and for himself on a corner of the Macello de Corbi, where stood his own house, in which he was born, he made a beginning with a beautiful range of windows, which is a small thing, but very graceful. By reason of all these excellent qualities, Giulio, after the death of Raffaello, was celebrated as the best craftsman in Italy, and Count Baldassare Castiglione, who was then in rome as ambassador from federigo gonzaga marquis of mantua and was much the friend as has been related of giulio having been commanded by his master the marquis to send him an architect of whom he might avail himself for the necessities of his palace and of the city 
the marquis adding that he would particularly like to have giulio the count i say so wrought upon him with entreaties and promises that giulio said that he would go provided that he could do this with the leave of pope clement which leave having been obtained the count setting out for mantua from which he was then to go on behalf of the pope to the emperor took giulio with him and having arrived there he presented him to the marquis who after welcoming him warmly caused an honourably appointed house to be given to him together with a salary and also a good table for himself for his disciple benedetto pagni and for another young man who was in his service and what is more the marquis sent him several canne of velvet satin and other kinds of silken cloth wherewith to clothe himself then hearing that he had no horse to ride he sent for a favourite horse of his own called Luggieri, and presented it to him and when giulio had mounted upon it they rode to a spot a bowshot beyond the porta di san bastiano where his excellency had a place with some stables called the tay standing in the middle of a meadow in which he kept his stud of horses and mares arriving there the marquis said that he would like without destroying the old walls to have some sort of place arranged to which he might resort at times for dinner or supper as a recreation giulio having heard the will of the marquis and having examined the whole place took a ground plan of that site and set his hand to the work availing himself of the old walls he made in the principal part the first hall that is to be seen at the present day as one enters with the suite of rooms that are about it and since the place has no living rock and no quarries from which to excavate material for hewn and carved stone such as are used in building by those who can obtain them he made use of brick and baked stone which he afterwards worked over with stucco and with this material he made columns bases capitals cornices doors windows and other things all with most beautiful proportions and he executed the decorations of the vaults in a new and fantastic manner with very handsome compartments and with richly adorned recesses which was the reason that the marquis after a beginning so humble then resolved to have the whole of that building reconstructed in the form of a great palace End of section fourteen.